So that's a cliff that I hold myself back on, which I'm really just saying right now out loud for the first time. I do have that part of me that's like, no, go deeper. Look at you working your magic. Welcome to Therapist Expanded, where we start a mental health revolution by living our dreams fully and freely beyond industry conditioning and taking every client with us because we'll only take them as far as we've gone. So join me, your host, Aaron Gibb, and my trailblazing guests and be revolutionary by expanding your mind and your life to your freest and fullest potential. Hello, and welcome back if you're a repeat listener, or welcome to the podcast if this is your first time listening. Today, I'm interviewing Katrina James. Katrina James is a counselor in Sydney, Australia. Katrina primarily works with business owners and entrepreneurs in her practice. And in the show notes, you'll find a link. But if you're old school and you like to type it in, then her website is reframecounseling.com.au. Counseling with two L's. So again, that'll be in the show notes for more information. And also in the show notes, you'll find a link to my Monday Mind Ups email list. This is bite-sized, quickly actionable, and mindset-shifting content available to you weekly, and it can really set the tone for your week and be something you come back to. Well, without further ado, here's my conversation with Katrina James of Reframe Counseling. Okay, so Katrina, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, I'm just excited to be here, so thank you. You're so welcome. So we always start with the same thing, which is tell us about yourself, your work, and your passions in the field. I'm a counsellor. I'm based in Sydney, Australia, which is quite a away from where you're sitting at the moment, but how good is modern technology, which is really exciting. So yeah, I work as a counsellor. I do mostly one-on-one stuff. I find that's where the really good work is for me. My passions are working with entrepreneurs and specifically with people who have migrated to Australia. I find that there's some really juicy work to be done there and, and lots of patterns that exist that are just on automatic. And so, yeah, I, I just love working there because there's so much to do. And and it has such an amazing effect on people, which I love. I just love people. I have always loved people. In fact, my first career, you could say it was as a photographer, which for me, I feel is actually not really that far away from counselling at all. Um, it's all about people. And yeah, I just just am fascinated constantly about just these, you know, like these really strong yet such little fragile creatures that we are. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. That's a beautiful picture you're painting there. I had this image of how photography is like capturing these real moments because we all know what a picture looks like when it's fake. It's like, wow, that mm-hmm. it just flops kind of, it doesn't have the emotional energy. And when we're in therapy and you get somewhere deep and real, that's energizing. So I thought about pictures and how candid shots sometimes are so emotional and it's just a person there. Yeah, exactly. You're so bang on with that. Isn't it amazing how you can look at a stock image and you just know that that that's not taken from where I'm from. You don't know anything like there's just nothing but we can identify it so quickly and I think what you said there is exactly right it's that the energy's not there we just don't resonate with it you know how wild is and amazing is that 
It reminds me also of how when we meet our ideal clients, we can do consults and it's like we both know this isn't a fit and we wish them well, Mm -hmm. but you can feel it when this person is your client. Totally. The, The feeling like after some sessions, you can be really tired. And then after some sessions, it can be the most heavy content, but it's energizing. And, you, and it's just light and not that it's right or wrong to not get along with somebody or, you know, need that perfect match. It's just, you know, we all have such a different views on life. People feel so bad about saying to somebody, hey, I don't think, you know, we can work together. And it's like, I'm working for you, you know, like you, you get to choose if you want to work with me or not. I'm totally fine for people to say, hey, thanks. But yeah, no, thanks. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I think that it's actually an interesting cultural norm that I know exists in North America. And I'm going to imagine in Australia as well, probably in many regions of Europe, that we feel like we're hurting people when we go after what we're dreaming about or when we go after this ideal life. So when we don't want to work with someone, it's really setting them free. And it's the same with when we don't actually want to do something. But I know we've been deeply conditioned to feel like we're hurting people when we say no, thank you. And actually going after our dreams is the best thing for everyone. So I heard some of that in there and I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I was I would not not that anyone could see this, but I was nodding from the second you started to say that I knew what you're going to say. And I was like, yes, yes, it is absolutely true here as well. The conditioning is so strong such a tiny little word it's two letters no yeah but the weight that that carries with it is enormous it's it's quite incredible actually it leads me to wonder because I've looked at your website and I was doing a lot of yes I could resonate so strongly with so many of the statements that you were making um I don't know if it's because I work with entrepreneurs in a different way too So I wondered if you could talk more about conditioning and how that relates to reframing, maybe even about entrepreneurs as well. Yeah, sure. Thank you. It's so lovely to hear, you know, we all see the numbers of people visiting our websites and things, but isn't it nice to like have a real person give us some feedback sometimes? I have to bring this back to, to photography again, actually, where the kind of reframe comes from and the thoughts on this and and we are all conditioned we're conditioned in well beyond what we even realize you know it's so deep it's it's cultural it's in our family it's in our friends it's you know school there's just so many different we're all kind of like a blank tape and then we just pick up these bits of information along the way and many times we kind of believe that they're the truth and that's the only way to view these things and so back to the photography you know I I would go to shoot sometimes and there would be more photographers than there were people you had to get the shot to make it look like it was amazing and you didn't want the same shot as those 10 photographers and so you'd find you know which I didn't have the term for it at the time but now I see it's this reframe you know it was just the nothing changed the story was the same was still a party with more photographers than people attending but if I just changed my angle a little bit just went if everybody's kind of just looking straight on then I'm like oh maybe I'll go lower or maybe I'll go higher or maybe I'll go to the side you know and you just try it on it's like sometimes it didn't work but 
sometimes it was amazing. I remember this one shot I got, like I went to the back of where the band was playing. I mean, who would ever go to the back? The photographers are in the front, but it was the best photo ever, you know? And, and so I think that's where I started to train myself to about these reframes, just try it on. Why don't you just try it from a couple of different angles and see story doesn't have to change, but your perspective of it can. And that's so powerful. And that's what I teach people is that your stories, you know, we can't go back and change our experiences. They are as they are, but we can change our view on them. And that can be done easily by kind of identifying, oh, okay, you know, is there another way that you could view this? Or if you were a different person, you know, what would they say? Or, hey, what, what would the, you know, the cleaner who's up the back there, what's their experience? Like, are they experiencing this the same way as you? And the answer is no, they're experiencing it differently, which just proves that there's a different way to frame this for you. Yeah, absolutely. What you said earlier when we were talking about conditioning at the beginning about how things feel Mm -hmm. like gospel or truth until we take this perspective shift, it also reminded me of all the EMDR sessions I've done in the past where, yes, the the memory remains the same, but the person's perspective will often shift actually like if you were holding a camera. So the memory will move further away or they'll suddenly be able to pan out and they'll remember information that they didn't have access to. It's an immediate game changer. Like they can let go of 50 years of something just by zooming out and going, oh, but they didn't do it consciously. They didn't zoom out consciously. They signed up for it consciously, but they didn't zoom out consciously. So to bring that and to bring that power in what you do, it's probably pretty magical sometimes. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes it's just a simple, like just reminding people, Hey, what, what was the temperature like? You know, was it a sunny day? Just these small things. And really what I'm just providing people is just some, some gentle suggestions, just some gentle reminders. Hey, you know, what was actually going on? Because that broadens people. It's I love that language of the, you know, the zoom out and the zoom in it. It's just for me, I guess, you know, I'm a visual person, I'm a photographer. So yeah. Oh my goodness. But what a power, how amazing is that? What a powerful things. And that, you know, a lot of this stuff can happen pretty quickly. Yeah. And it also reminded me of neuroscience, how the narrow view is what happens when we're in high beta brain waves or when we're in a stress response, we naturally narrow our focus. It's why everything seems equally important when we're at the most heightened sense of stress. We get mm. actual tunnel vision if we're in a fight flight state. So that actual broadening like you would with a camera lens also means you're probably not in that high beta. You're not in fight flight. It it requires bringing that frontal lobe perspective that makes us human. It's what's unique to us. So mm-hmm. cool. I'm curious about <laughs> how this particularly pertains to your work with entrepreneurs. Yes. So particularly works with entrepreneurs. So as I said earlier, I work a lot with migrants, entrepreneurs in all sorts of the sense, you know, they want to start a business or have started business, been in business for a while, but have got to a bit of a block and aren't sure where to go. And it's often those ones that have kind of been stuck on this idea for quite a while. That truth has really been embedded. So it can take longer to kind of shift that perspective. 
that's helpful is that giving these different ideas and often it's practiced in ways that it's not always about therapy it's about like you can find it through photography or finding the thing that people really love I always work with the entrepreneurs that come to me like if you start a business that's about recycling or I don't know something you know that's completely different it's like okay that's where we go that's the places where we just get into because that's where people's flow is going to start to come from. Once you get people into the things they love, it's just amazing to be able to hear it. And then I see my job as kind of hearing what they tell me and then just saying that back to them. And sometimes it happens before I even get to say it back to them. People, you can see it in the session that people are like, oh my goodness, I just... I never thought of it that way before, you know, and they just, the shift has just happened and it's really, it's super powerful. And it also just changes the way then people interact with different, with other people, you know, and they can teach this skill to other people of kind of how to, you know, maybe not just stop at the first idea. Let's go a little bit further and see what are the other options here. And they're just options. They're not, they don't have to figure out how to do those options right now. Creating possibilities, I guess, is what they are really, is where I see it really working in that entrepreneur space. And I guess in a way I'm an entrepreneur, right? I have my own private practice, which is, you know, that's just as much as an entrepreneur as anything else. And so you have people who are really passionate, they really want to do these things, but then equally they can be just as blocked on stuff. I want to do this. I want to make the change. I've got to do this. I just want to do it my own way, but also, oh God, but I can't do X, Y, or Z, or I, I'm not going to be able to raise the money or I'm really strong and passionate in one way, but kind of lacking maybe in some other, other ways. And it could be lacking creativity or it could be, and I shouldn't use the word lacking because I don't love that word, but it also could be, you know, just needing some more skills in structure or asking for help and not seeing that as a detriment. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that think because I'm an entrepreneur, I have to do everything. I have to be the one that does everything in this business. I am the founder. I will do everything. And so reframe is so helpful in all of these different aspects. I'm a big fan of the reframe. Even the word you used, you picked up on like, hmm, I don't want that word. I want to change it. Reframing it and what came up in my mind was growth mm. area. When someone gives me a word yeah. like challenge or whatever it may be, I know clients will often use a really harmful mm -hmm, word to themselves, mm -hmm. you know, a hurtful word. Yeah. And it's like, what about growth area? Yeah. Have you ever thought of that? And they're like, okay, that has like a whole different energy around exactly it. and yes I'm really big on words because I think like we just said earlier about the one word no having so much power it's like that with so many words that we use have so much power and and I find also working with migrants because they are in a different country the wording can have different meanings so often it's kind of going hang on a second can you just explain why you chose that word and sometimes I'm like oh cool that doesn't have the meaning that it holds here in Australia that we've uh, assigned to it. So like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So I learn new things too. Like, oh, maybe that word isn't as powerful as I thought. Or opportunity is so much better than like, oh, it, this is just going to be really hard, you know? Like, oh, it's just hard. I could just, like my body's already, my shoulders are going down. I can feel my, I'm just kind of slumping in. It just, where's the opportunity in that? And so words 
that open people up and often you can see it in sessions people will say a word and their body just their shoulders go back their face lifts to the sky and so it'd be able to reflect that to someone and say wow you were so different when you spoke like that how did that feel to you and for people to experience that and realize and realize that it is having effect because we're all you know we're all on autopilot pilot right we don't really notice what words make us happy or what words make our shoulders go in or that's that's my my role these really small places and yeah like a reframe can be about a word or it can be like a whole idea or an identity yeah I love how you said that it's there's a broad way to use a reframe so it leads me to another question that I'm excited to hear your answer to what does mental health revolution mean to you? It means like a reset. Let's just burn this house down and just start again. <laughs> Let's just clear out the cache, get rid of our search history and start from positive use of language and the start of mental health. Mental health shouldn't be about making people feel better when they're not feeling well it should start well beyond that to me you know the revolution starts in our schools it starts from it starts from the time we conceive our babies for me it really is this really 180 the image of like good soil is coming to mind I don't know why but it's just like you just can't have it half and half I love your use of 180 because whenever I thought about the revolution, for me, it also has this take a completely different perspective, new approach. Let's shift this all around. Talk about a reframe and burn this house down. Yeah. <laughs> I love that because there are many times where I sit back and I've trained a number of therapists now and I supervise therapists and I'm coaching therapists now and to sit and see how much indoctrination they have experienced at the hands of education, how much fear they have been sold, and that they really look at me like, but isn't that what I'm supposed to do? It reminded me of a quote on your website, something I took off there. Do you feel like you're living someone else's dream? And by the time they meet me and we work together a little bit, I feel like I can see them waking up out of a trance that is this incredible piece of the mental health revolution I'm here to try to help change which is that we don't have to keep believing all that we were sold about what we're supposed to do here as helpers as it is incredibly detrimental but it's also very false and it's pretty interesting about taking a big reframe there it's amazing to see them look like they finally got the keys to their life back and to stop living someone else's dream. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, everything you've said, I just need a second because guilty of this myself, not guilty. I'm just a product of it, I guess. Like imagine if the programming mm-hmm. just was never there. Like my job, imagine if my job was just to help people go from A to B instead of trying to figure out what A was in the first place and then trying to reprogram that so then we can take another step like that would be that would be a revolution to me and I see it when people take care of their own mental health it just they become better parents they're better partners 
they're not putting their story onto other people or dreams. And look, as much as we can, of course, we're all connected and, and we are going to influence people. I would love people that are just like, nah, I know who I am, know what my dream is. I just need your help to go to the next step. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Yeah, that's often hard to find is what our real dream is. There's a course I'll be releasing likely in the spring that is actually about this because when you've lived someone else's dream and you've done all the things and you've checked all the boxes and now you're, a, for example, a therapist and you're maybe going to go into an agency and do all that for a while because you need someone else to tell you you're ready to go into private practice or whatever it may be, that for people to actually realize what their dreams are, it's below so much conditioning uh, that it, there are quick processes to do it, but it's about going into their being, in my experience, not doing and not the mind, because it's the mind that's so deeply conditioned and has conditioned the body. So it's about going experientially past all that, gathering, and then having that principle guide you. Because you're right, it is amazing when all we need is conditioning after conditioning, after layer, after part. And I have this person I was recently talking to, just a neighbor, and they are actually becoming a therapist. And they have come from a different profession. And so they talk to the professors, they put up their hand and they ask questions and the professors do not like poo-poo them, but don't even understand what they're talking about. They don't have a frame of reference for the questions he's asking. And he's asking questions like what we're talking about. They're like, I don't know what you're talking about because this is the research and I don't know why we would ever even look at it a different way, like moving right along. And he said, it's been kind of disheartening. I said, well, you'll have a big wide world of opportunity, but for now he's in it. And actually it's for me talking about this education, for me, it's what struck this idea. So when I went deeply inside, what I saw was an, a master's program that was completely different. And maybe that's in my future one day, but this was an attempt to do something like that. And when I trained students, so I could talk about that all day, the educational system. Yeah, please do it. Do it. Piece. Do it. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's, there's one other piece and it's that the kids, at least where I live, and I've seen this on Facebook, moms talking about how their kids are talking about their therapist at lunch. My child talks about therapy with people like it's just normal. Doesn't everybody go to therapy? She's, she would wait for me outside of my office. I am a co-owner of a clinic and there's people in constantly and she would stand outside and be like, hi, who are you? And I was like, no, we can't, we really can't do that. We're going to revisit this. She could not understand why, because why wouldn't you? Go and work on your mental health. Full sentence. I mean, I mean, like, wow, there's the revolution, right? There's the revolution yeah. for people just to talk about. And, you know, I'd love that. Imagine if people talked about going to therapy like they do going to the gym. Yeah, it's not a thing to not talk about. Or I still have conversations sometimes with clients to be like, oh, if you see me on the street, do you want to say hi? Or like, you don't feel that you have to acknowledge me. It's fine. Because there's definitely shame around it. Like if someone said, oh, who's that? Kind of this sense of being outed in the mm -hmm. community. And I can see it in younger generations. And I've mentioned this on another podcast. And it may come out before or after this. But it struck me so strongly that my cousin, who's about 30, 
right around COVID, this started shifting. She's on online dating. And she said, basically, the question is, how often do you see your therapist? That's the question. And she said, if someone says, I don't have a therapist, it's like swipe the other way. And I, I said, really, is that just you? And she said, no, no, no. Like, that's what everybody's doing. You've got to be in therapy. I was like, what a change. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 So these younger generations. I think it's coming, but like I said, it might be quicker if we burn it down and rebuild it, but that's okay. Maybe that's not the safest way to do things. (laughs) I can see uh, why you'd want to do it. I feel that way many times myself. (laughs) Absolutely. In doing this podcast, I've had people say like, well, what if they come after you for what you say? I'm like, well, that's amazing. I'm going to put that on my podcast. And they're like looking at me like, what do you mean? Because I think it comes from the same place if I do want to burn this house mm. down, actually, with love, but I do want to burn this house down and just start fresh. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I would like, I would love to burn it down without causing any damage, if that makes sense. You know, like I don't yeah. want to hurt anything or anyone. I just want to start again. Yep. I'm with you. So that leads me to another question. And I, maybe they're related, maybe not, but I'm wondering. When have you taken a risk and gone after a dream or desire? Maybe it was you burnt something else down in your life. Look, I think I've always been a risk taker. However, like as we talk about it and I've been thinking about it, I've followed lots of other people's dreams, I think. And I think Mm -hmm. I'm just starting to follow my own. I mean, okay, so here's one thing. So I did photography, my dream. I photographed weddings my mum's dream so like I feel like there's been times there's been lots of times I've done my own thing done photography I've lived overseas and so there's been elements of my thing in it but then lots of elements of the not just my parents but just the safety messages and the kind of just like you were talking you know like I just have always had this message of when I say things that, that that you're talking about your neighbor that gets the response of like, I don't know what you're talking about. I feel like I have had that experience so many times and it has made me doubt and think, oh, okay. So I moved to Germany. So that was following my dream. But then it was kind of like, uh, don't go much further than that. Hold myself back there. Um, so Uh, You know, what I'm doing now is probably the biggest following my dream, getting into therapy, really going to this place that I really love. And and that's what always makes me follow it because, God, it feels so good. Like when it's good, it feels so good. And I am just like, I want more of that. I just want more of that. This is my thing. You know, this sometimes it feels easy in a way to me and I'll talk to my partner about it and be like are you like this is really easy for me like you know is could this really be a thing and he's like yep yeah, no it's just easy for you it's not easy in general it's really just you because you're doing the thing that you love and you've worked your whole life for this makes sense so much you said resonated we've been indoctrinated and I saw this on your site You don't have to do more and work harder. And it can be this shocking thing when things fall into flow and ease, as well as what you said about people looking at you. Like my very earliest memories are somebody trying to indoctrinate me around religion and me looking up and saying, that's a really nice story for you, but it's not true for me. And them looking at me like I was four. 
and they were like is this kid nuts and i got that i used to say can't you feel we're all one and they would be like uh i lived in toronto the most multicultural city in the world so when they looked around and heard can't you see we're all one and the same i didn't mean what we look like right and they would look at me like i was crazy so i know that that look very well yeah, oh my goodness i think i've armored myself i love that i think i spent a lot of my life yeah i spent most of my younger years armoring myself against that rejection and only in the last you know 10 years have i really just not let it be painful but still let myself be that weird black sheep so I know what you're saying because we are deeply conditioned to not be rejected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. We're yeah. all we're all wanting to be part of the herd, right? Like we are at the end of the day, strip it all back. We're all animals that have this innate need to belong in a community, and so this is you know part of evolution. It's not our fault. Yeah. I mean, that's and cool too, right? It's not. No. It's no one's fault. This is how we are because we are like this. Here we are, just doing the best we can. Absolutely. And so to go and do what you're saying, which is to take this risk and actually fully live your dream, I can only imagine then going through that conditioning that the fear, probably it wasn't easy at times. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always fear. I think that's probably a common misconception, especially when I work with entrepreneurs, like that, that you'll get to this stage where it won't be scary. You'll just know, and it's like a well, like when if you find that place, please let me know because I I've not been there yet. I don't know the place without without some sort of fear attached. I don't know it. I'm so glad we're talking about this in particular because I had come up with like a rehearsed answer to your question you wrote me, which was beautiful about where have I reframed something, and actually this I think is more valuable. What I've done with fear, because of course I've had so many people tell me, and they're like yeah, but I'm terrified. It's like, that is not what this choice was about. It's going to scare the crap out of you for a while, but that does not mean it wasn't the choice. What I've learned to do with fear as a reframe is I seek it out. I'm like, if something scares the pants off me, that's what I need to do. I feel like I have a parachute on and I can be a bit of a junkie for that growing edge. And my business partner's like, this is a weird thing you do because most people want to run. And I used to. And Vipassana meditation, I got to give a shout out. That was the practice of learning how to turn towards pain and fear. But now that's been my ultimate reframe. It's like I see fear as a cliff edge and I put on the thing and I run towards it. I don't know what we're going to do with that. I'm just putting it out there that that's been the ultimate. It becomes exhilarating. I love that. It's there and, and it is. It's often the place where the conditioning is the most strongest is that fear and it's not the fear of the actual thing that turns out like when you work through like, oh, that's interesting, what are you scared about? It isn't the actual doing the, you know, creating the business or doing something else. It's it's the if I do this I might be judged by my family or what if I don't have money, you know, it's it's always points to something that's deeper. Absolutely. It's the, to me, I think I realized that metaphor now, what I meant, it's the leaping off the cliff. It's the taking the thing. Because if I think about what my mind's presenting as the image right now, when I'm off the edge, it's just mm. beautiful vistas of rolling hills in my mind. It's the taking the leap is the terrifying thing. After that, it's kind of gravy. 
it can be terrifying. Don't like we said, it can be extremely scary, but it's the conditioning that says it's very scary. It isn't necessarily that it isn't the best thing for us. So as we're coming to an end, the question I also ask is, have you noticed, and maybe something's coming to you now, a place where you have a cliff in your life and you haven't yet jumped off? Um, I was thinking, I kind of had a heads up on this question, so I thought about it. And like you, I had a bit of a rehearsed answer. But now that we've been speaking, I have so many things that have come to me. But you know what? I think this kind of happens all the time, if I'm really honest. I think it's almost every day that there's something that either I don't do, I don't reach out to somebody for fear of like, I don't know, like maybe they won't respond to my email. Like it's like it doesn't matter anyway, but there's still that something that gets in the way. And so, yeah, in a micro sense, every day, you know, there's something that stops me. But, you know, some of it's still unconscious. I don't know why I do these things. You know, why Why don't I go to yoga? I love yoga so much. But some days I have to convince myself all day to just get on the mat, you know. So, yeah, that sabotages myself. And I like, I have a condition with my legs and so I really need to stretch. And I still get in my own way and know that tomorrow it's going to be painful. It's just not enough. It's it's yeah let me think of where's a where's a bigger cliff you know yeah I think I'm in this this moment with private practice at the moment where it's kind of like that leaping off of there's probably some work I want to do with people that I'm a little bit unsure of myself you know I I'm a white female straight female from Australia and I think who the hell am I to work with migrants coming to Australia like I don't have that experience and there's a lot of I there's definitely fear in me of like getting it wrong or offending someone or or saying the wrong thing and you know I don't know if I'm gonna riff too much here but that's part of colonization too like I've now doubted myself in how I can help other people like you were saying it earlier too like I see it so that's a cliff that I hold myself back on I'm like, oh, maybe just don't go. Mm-hmm. Just keep it with, keep it a little bit easier to digest. Even though I know I've got this burning part of me, which I'm really just saying right now out loud for the first time. I do have that burning part of me that's like, no, go deeper. Look at you working your magic. <laughs> I'm so honored. I love this. Going back to the cliff. I feel like I put a parachute on like every day, a few times a day, because fear is so prevalent. This is the thing I've learned is that if there's any time I'm terrified to run off that cliff, I've seen so many times how me sharing that I do things differently and I jump off cliffs and I rehearse for a while or I don't or whatever, that I'm still afraid, but I'm going to do it. I see what it does for other people. And it's sometimes, you know, it's that cliche uh, I'm we grew up in a codependent world so maybe I'm utilizing some of that but I think it's not from that place it's from that what I really believe is when we do what we're here to do it inspires other people it, it's not even what we're trying to do but when we see that it does it becomes easier to just strap on the parachute and invite someone else to grab your hand and jump off yeah. with you I mean totally it's so, you know it's the we all want to be part of a herd to be belonging and and this is a similar thing you know like we all want to 
people need to do their, their dream because that's part of the group mentality as well. That's how we all thrive is just, you know, I, it's seeing other people. And, and uh, you know, sometimes it helps me to think, like, if I'm scared, there's probably a chance that maybe Erin's a bit scared as well. Like, yeah, she's an absolute professional and amazing. But, like, she's a human too. Who knows what's happening in your life? And yeah. that kind of takes the pressure off me because I'm like, God, I think about myself a lot. So I reckon there's a good chance that other people are thinking about themselves as well. They're not even thinking about me. No, it's our primary yeah. thing. We're thinking about us for sure. Well, and maybe as we're ending, what I thought of is maybe jumping off that cliff is another analogy with someone hand in hand is another analogy for burning down the house because we can do it through burning down the house or we can say there's just another way and we're just going to do it. And are we going to meet resistance? Probably. Are people going to be confused? Yeah. History has said both of those things are probably going to happen when you do something new, but when people feel where it comes from, they want to jump off with you. Oh my God. I like now I have no words because that is like, I, I'm <laughs> going to go burn down the house deck now and I'm going to do it by jumping off the cliff. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank okay, you. What an amazing <laughs> conversation. Thank you. Katrina, it's been thank you so wonderful. much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Therapist Expanded. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share this podcast to help more of our colleagues join the revolution.